What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I am your host. You're listening to an NBA Outsiders edition of the SBNY podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, App iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us there. Also, you can find us on our new partner, Team Left Jab, Team Left Jab Boxing Radio. Uh, you may be thinking, boxing, boxing radio? What? You guys don't talk boxing? Well... Our friends over at Team Left Jab wanted to add some sports content and some New York sports content, so they reached out to us, and we're happy to add to their network, which you can find on Blog Talk Radio. Just look up Team Left Jab Radio Network, and you'll find them there. But today, I have joining me in the flesh, in person, my man Frank Villani. What's good, brother? We live, brother. How we, we doing, Petey? Good to see you. We are live. We are in hand-touching distance, and it feels good, Frank. Stop pretending like we aren't. And we know it feels good. Well, maybe we are. And you know what? Duffy over there on the other side of uh, our computer recording from his humble abode is over there. And I think he's jealous. What's up, Duff? I'm pretty jealous. But then again, I'm in I'm in handholding distance of my dog right now. And I feel pretty good about that. That's actually probably better. I mean, I, you're jealous. I, I, I doubt your dog's hand. Stop throwing shit. Me as mine. I might be hairier than your dog. And Frank's hand is definitely clammier than your dog's hand. But you know what? A win's a win's a win. I think we're all winning, especially here on the Sports Blog New York podcast, NBA Outsiders Edition. We got a lot to talk about today, boys. Um, we haven't done a podcast in what, like two or three weeks on the on the NBA front? It's Maybe longer than that. Longer than that, probably. I mean, the Christmas an extended time. Extended holiday break. Yeah, the Christmas time got in the way of it. The NFL playoffs got in the way of it. And, and don't you worry, in the Sports Blog New York podcast, we're going to get back to NFL stuff in the future. Don't think we're going to just leave that be. But today is an NBA-heavy edition. A lot of things happened in the past week. We have Jimmy Butler starting a riot again. And uh, I don't think anyone's shocked. Like, nah. people are trying to act shocked, but, like, are we shocked? Nah. Um, it's, like, about as surprising as Russell Westwick's three-point field goal percentage. So, not at all. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, for real, though. And also, there's the aspect to this, and we're going to get into it later, um, that maybe this is being blown out of proportion. Like, maybe Butler was actually just in the film session saying, like, Honestly, we got to do this better. We got to do this. Give me the ball more, which is all semi reasonable stuff. And like you kind of expect it from a star, but because Jimmy and what he did before the season in Minnesota, like it's just, it's crazy. Uh, but other than that, we're going to talk about the all star race that's coming up. We got the fan votes out. We got a little debate between the NBA outsiders here about the rookie of the year. I think I'm just going to start calling him that Luka Doncic, who's up there in the fan votes. Just and call him Luka. Yeah, Luca Legend. He don't even need a last name at this point. He he's one of those for this rookie season, which is pretty impressive nonetheless. So we're gonna talk about that. We're also gonna do a new thing that we're gonna call the All Mellow Team, the lack of self awareness All Stars. We're gonna make a little roster there. Talk about the players in the league who just need to figure it out and look themselves in the mirror. You know what I mean? There's just too many guys out there who don't know what they're doing. Play your role. It's it's sound advice. I'm sure a lot of us have heard it. Um, but it's true, man. Play your role. You got to know your role, and that's what we do on the Sports Blog New York podcast. So stay tuned, hang out with us for the next hour or so. Hopefully, you appreciate this episode. We're glad to be back. Frank Villani, John Lucas Duffy, I'm Pete Kennedy. Listen up, boys and girls. All right, we are back, and we have a very important announcement. We have a man running the NBA, running around in the NBA, causing problems for the past couple years. 
And on this very podcast, we've spoken very strongly that this guy needs to be out of the NBA. And we have a very important announcement to make on the NBA Outsiders. You may be aware, you may not, but nonetheless, it's one of the greatest feats in NBA history. Tom Thibodeau has been fired. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. No, Tom Thibodeau is gone. It's finally happened. Duffy, oh, how happy are you, man? It's been a year of him coaching the Timberwolves and running these guys to the ground, running eight-player lineups, driving us all mad that the Timberwolves can't even win eight seed in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler wants his, out, his way out. And finally, Duff, you've been asking for it for over a year now. Your boy Tibbs, he's gone. Are you ecstatic? How are you feeling, my man? I just, I feel like there's a better energy in the world now. Like, I, I don't know, just cosmically. I just feel good. It's not necessarily because of him, or maybe it is. You know, just over the past couple of days, I felt really good at work yesterday. Had a nice day off today. And I, I've just been like a little pep in my step recently. And I think this is what I can point to. I think this is what it is. I, I don't know who this doesn't help. If you're not related to Tom Thibodeau, I don't know who it does. You got to be honest. <laughs> it helps out everybody from Carlton Towns to maybe even Andrew Wiggins to obviously uh, the Tom Thibodeau killer himself, Fred Hoiberg, who might be the new coach of the Timberwolves before we know it. He's lurking. He's lur- is he cuck. the new JB Bickerstaff? <laughs> All, nah, he's he's an all-time cuck. Anywhere Tom Thibodeau <laughs> goes, Fred Hoiberg goes and just does it better. Does he do better though? Does he though? Really, like that's know, the thing. He gets his chance as well. Any anything Tom Thibodeau has, Fred Hoiberg wants and eventually also has. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the little Thibodeaus was actually a Hoiberg. If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Thou shalt not want his neighbor's wife or something. What is that? Thou shalt not covet. covet. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Yeah, man. Talking <laughs> commandments out here. Fred Hoiberg don't care about that. Man's a savage. <laughs> Fred Hoiberg out here just getting fired from the Bulls at seemingly a random time. But now that Thibodeau's gone and the Minnesota Timberwolves are now, you know, uh, rumored to want Fred Hoiberg to replace him. This what is it? The second time in four years that Fred Hoiberg will take over for Tibbs. Is this weird? Like, who's the biggest loser here? Is it the Timberwolves? Is it the Timberwolves front office? Is it the Bulls? Like, it doesn't. It seems like a lose 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 across the board. Like, who's getting better here? I mean, the Timberwolves have Cat. Uh, Hoiberg. The, Hoiberg's the winner. He's he's getting that check. Yeah, easily Hoiberg is the winner. Here. Yo, but Tibbs is getting that check too. His contract gets paid out. He's gonna get paid until his contract's up. He's just yeah, but be Tibbs home. doesn't care about the money. He's watching, Tibbs is about pride. He's about basketball. He's and even though he's not tremendous at either man. of those things, it's yeah. uh, it's it's not about the money for him. He he's watching his baby, aka the Timberwolves, be raised by another man, and I'm sure that's gonna hurt. It's kind of like it's like the Russell Wilson of it's like you know oh, what? No. basketball coaches. <laughs> it's like when you know Mark Jackson becomes the head coach of a team and maybe drafts right and gets the second best shooting backcourt of all time. Steve Kerr is going to rear his head in the corner and we're going to be like, you know what? It's starting to make sense. He does the same thing. These guys, I think they just have it in for each other. Hoiberg and Tibbs, that is. But the the Timberwolves a.k.a. the Timberwolves, they're committed to being the Timberwolves. They want it so bad. I mean... The only thing they didn't do is sign Joe Kim Noah, and I bet you Tibbs tried to do it. They they could have, should have, would have signed Joe Kim Noah. It would have been perfect. I mean, I think Twitter would have actually blown up if the Timberwolves signed Joe Kim Noah. It would have been absolutely incredible. 
Um, I just can't believe it. I really can't. And I, I just think about Carl Anthony Towns and his lack of winning basketball that he's kind of inspired. I mean, the Timberwolves have actually played decent basketball lately. He's been on an absolute tear. You can say the supporting cast isn't great, but their supporting cast isn't bad, right? Like Dario Saric, Robert Covington are proven role players. Uh, you got Derrick Rose like back to an, an all-time high after his, his ACL surgery. You got players on this team, and yet they're just underwhelming. Is it the fact that the West is just that good, or are the Timberwolves just leaving so much on the table, or was it Tibbs just holding them back? I, it could be a mixture of all these things, but it's just not adding up in Minnesota, and it's a shame. It's a shame because they finally made the playoffs last year for the first time in like ke- since Kevin Garnett was there, and now they're back to being pathetic. I think we. I call, think oh, you you can go you can go because I think it's mostly got to do with. They just they jumped the gun by hiring Tibbs. They they just accelerated this process for really no reason. Like I don't understand what the rush was. I guess they wanted to go back to the playoffs, which you know that that makes sense. But I don't know why you're rushing to get there. Like who are you trying to leapfrog? You're not in, within striking range of being a contender. And even when they started this process like two years ago, when Tibbs first got hired, but it was as the Warriors got Kevin Durant, and so the whole league was basically on notice, like, hey, don't do anything rash here and mortgage your future because you have none right now. Just just patiently wait. And they just didn't get that memo. And for some reason, they really thought either they were close or they just wanted to be competitive to make money or, you know, there's a bunch of reasons why they could have done this. None of them are really that good, though, in my opinion. Does it matter to you that when Jimmy Butler was there last year before he got hurt and they kind of spiraled, that they were a top three or four team in the West. Does that change it? Basically thinking along the lines that if Jimmy Butler was healthy last year, we may have a different outlook on the Timberwolves because they wouldn't have ran into an insanely hot Rockets team in the first round and got their boots knocked off. If they ended up in the three or four seed and they play, I forget who was in that in that range last year, but say they play the Pelicans instead, like maybe they go six. Maybe they go seven. Maybe they win a first round. Do we think about the Timberwolves and Tom Thibodeau completely differently? Because I kind of think that would be smoke and mirrors. It was om- like it was almost just a. It didn't a, matter. A it didn't matter if they were that close. If they got to the seed, like okay, they beat the Pelicans first round, and then they run into a buzzsaw of like either the Rockets or the Warriors again. Like no matter what happened, no one was going to beat either of those teams last year like un- unless they were beating each other like it was in the western conference finals there was just such a vast gap between those two teams and everyone else in the conference so i i, I guess this goes against the spirit of competition and all that stuff but like sometimes you have to just say you've been outmaneuvered you have to retreat regroup and then try to make a different advance in the future and it, it wasn't going to come that last year it wasn't going to come this year and you know who knows next year, but it, until Kevin Durant leaves the Warriors, like everyone else, just kind of chill out in the West. Like I, I'm not sure what to tell. I'm not sure what to tell anyone. I mean, a, a team you can think about here is the Denver Nuggets because they kind of did stand pat. Now, granted, they signed Paul Millsap and he was banged up all last year. They expected a lot more out of him. But really, what the Nuggets did outside of signing him was 
letting Jokic just become an all-star, become an MVP candidate. They continue to give Jamal Murray the ball and make him make plays. Gary Harris, the same thing. And they continue to add depth around him. They in- inspired Juancho Hernan Gomez to become a real NBA role player. They have guys like Malik Beasley who have been waiting in the in the rafters and-, and Monty Morris who's like a contributing backup point guard right now. And the Nuggets are top in the West. Like, <clears throat> The Timberwolves might be looking at them and saying, oh, they, they stead pat on Mike Malone. They let their, their guy Jokic just get all the reps he needed, become a true superstar, become a, a winning basketball player, and now they're top in the West. And meanwhile, Carlton Towns was almost neutered by Jimmy Butler and them trying to advance the process, and now they're almost back to square one. But, Frank, could it be argued that now that they're kind of back to square one and they're going to find a new coach and they're going to kind of restart what they're trying to do here – Maybe that's what they need to do all along, and, and that could be a positive. I think it can be a positive. I, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm gonna walk it all the way back to the question you asked about, like, wh- whose fault is the underperformance of this team? And I, I don't even know if it's underperformance, because like we said, the West is such a powerhouse, and it's it's like tough to gauge, especially with such a powerhouse team like the the Warriors and the Rockets. Like, it's very top heavy. So I feel like. We, we fall in love with, with progression and, like, what these guys could be. And Carl Anthony Towns has this phenomenal rookie season. And Angie Wiggins is a young guy who scores 40 points every once in a while. And you're like, wow, these guys could really be something. And, you know, on a grand scale, I guess half the time, yeah, those guys keep progressing. But half the time, they kind of stay who they are. I haven't seen, like, any progression. Like, Carl Anthony Towns has gotten marginally better at defense. He's still not that good. I think he's blocking some shots this year, but like overall, not a good defender. Andrew Wiggins still hasn't figured it out defensively. I just think we we project so much of what we think these players can be. Uh, and, you know, one of the biggest, if not the biggest thing in the NBA is consistency. Can you do it on a night-to-night basis? And I mean, they could score, I guess, but the rest of it ain't there. And, I mean, think about their roster and the guys that Tibbs was playing beforehand. It was a, a heavy dosage of Jeff Teague and Derrick Rose with Tyus Jones, who I, I personally think is a, a serviceable backup point guard, a guy who would get in in his uh, in the rotation in pretty much any team in the league. And then you got a rookie in Josh Okoji, who Tibbs was actually playing early and then kind of wasn't playing. And and that's the guy who needs to be a part of the future for the Timberwolves. It, it doesn't need to be Taj Gibson and Anthony Tolliver. Like, they can be a nice little supporting cast if you're a playoff team. But now that you're, you know, four teams back from the eight seed, is that what you want to be pushing at? Like, you want to be pushing at Taj Gibson to play 35 minutes a night, tw- thir- 28 minutes a night, when you got a rookie in Josh Koji who looks really good, who looks like a guy who does defend. Dario Sarge, Robert Covington. I mean, Covington almost single-handedly changed the Timberwolves when he first arrived. Their defense was great for a couple weeks. And we touted Tibbs as this defensive guru. And meanwhile, he couldn't get his most important pieces to lock in on that end. It's really strange. Um, Duff, I want to go for you on this, and I think I might know where you're going to go. But does Tom Thibodeau coach as a head coach in the NBA again? Um. Ever again? Oh, um, I'll give you some parameters. How about in the next three years, in the next two years? How about two, two to three years span? Is he on the sideline again as a head coach? I don't think so. I, I, I could see him walking it back to an assistant coaching position. I think sort of, sort of the way like Mike Brown did after he went to Cleveland and the Lakers, and um, and then he just ends up as a really good assistant coach. Like we see this in football all the time. Like sometimes guys aren't great head coaches. Sometimes they're just better coordinators. Or there's Josh McDaniels or Wade Phillips. Like some guys 
aren't cut cut out to be head coaches. Like they can know the game perfectly, uh, especially on one side of the balls, Tibbs being a defensive coach. But when it comes to really leading a team and getting everyone to buy in and having to be that team psychologist, like think about Phil Jackson and the X's and O's that he brought to the table, like the triangle, blah, blah, blah. That was kind of Tech's winner behind him on the as an assistant coach on the bench. The thing that Phil was so good at was motivating his players and getting them to see the big picture or maybe manipulating them into seeing the small picture that he wanted. Like, yeah, this hey, this reporter reason. thinks this about you or your teammate thinks this about you or maybe you should tell this guy to do this or you need to step up and take a leadership role or maybe you need to take a step back and just be quiet for a while. Like, that was really what he was masterful about, with. And, and getting people to think outside the box, not so much the X's and O's. So that like that's the reason when we did like the new net Knicks uh, segment for combining the Knicks and the Nets, I had Fizdale as the head coach because I think he can handle like the big picture stuff. But Ronnie Atkins is a great X's and O's guy Ooh. and knows how to get people to play tactically the way you're quote unquote supposed to play now or maybe the most optimal way for your team to do it. Rodney Atkins. Kenny Atkinson. There you go. I'll give you the, I well, you the I chance. Said, I said Rodney Atkins? Yeah, is that a real person? What is that? I think he's a country music singer. <laughs> oh, my God, though. Which is really weird kidding. coming from me. This is the NBA Duff. Outsiders. Get out of the Discord. Wow. Brother. You, you got to see yourself out, brother. All right, I got, since we got to move on here. So I'm I got, I got what one. was worse, that or Daryl Morley? Daryl Morley was crushing me the, when the you were thing, saying the that. Thing, the thing, yeah, the but you know what? He's going to keep catching those L's at the time. <laughs> now he turned it around. So he's Daryl Morley again. Is. The difference is you said Daryl Morley like fifteen. Times. <laughs> yeah, I let you, you say just it. riding with it. I let you reach double one for digits. every loss. Wait, what? what yeah, I let you about? reach double digits of saying Daryl Morley, and then I had to jump in. That's just one of those things, like Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson. I always confuse those two. It's just one of those things. Well, Daryl Morley, people. just. That's how I say it. Well, since know. we have to move on and we got to talk about some you know other, other things, <laughs> since we have to talk about other things around the league, I have one more thing to say. This is also to you, Duffy, and also to Tom Thibodeau. I'm Michael Jordan. Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> Get some help, Duff. Figure out your guys' names. You know, you know, like the contract of like the eighth player on every team in the league. You can't even get the GM, of the, the most famous right. GM in the league, right? Come on now. I thought he was like making some obscure reference. It's like it's not even a name that sounds good together. You know, like what, uh, Rodney Atkinson. Like what? <laughs> that doesn't even roll off the tongue, Duff. Like. What are you thinking right now? Bro? Get out of the Discord. Rip the jewel, bro. <laughs> Look, you what? Your your parents never, your parents never, you know, called you by your brother's name or something. Should happen. Yeah, but you know what? Like Sal Valani definitely has a ring to it. You know, Rodney Atkinson. I don't think there's a person in the world named Rodney Atkinson. It's a dumbass. There name. is. He's a famous country music singer. It's a dumbass name. I'm not fact checking. Anyways, we got to move on. We got to talk about. You don't have to. I'll just tell you how it is. We got to talk about one of the people who. Ended up uh, creating the turmoil in Minnesota, is now creating turmoil, for lack of a better term, in another city. Even though the team has been very successful since his arrival, Jimmy Butler is, is stirring up the pot again in Philadelphia. And it may be warranted, and you could probably argue it is, and we're going to get into that right now. But nonetheless, Jimmy Butler in Philadelphia apparently getting in heated uh, debates with Brett Brown in film sessions, saying he needs the ball more, they need to run more pick and roll, which, you know what? I think those are semi-decent points by Jimmy. We know, as he tells us all the time, he it's all about winning and competitor and blah, 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 even though he's going to get his bag this year. Um, the Sixers, though, they have a real conundrum on their hands with Ben Simmons, his lack of spa uh, floor spacing, and then 
Jimmy Butler kind of just doing whatever he wants, even though we all know that Joel Embiid is the man in that city. He's the man on that team. So, Frank, are you shocked by the Jimmy Butler news and the Jimmy Butler saga? Do you think it's a real problem we should be worried about, or is it just a slow news day in the NBA and it really popped off? No, no, yes. Uh, Jimmy lives under a microscope right now, I think, especially like because of everything that's happened with you know Timberwolves and his move now. So I honestly feel like he was just like, yo, Brett, let me get some shots, cuh. And then was, I think it was Ramon Shelburne was the first person to report it, and she was like, Jimmy said something to the coach. We got to run with it. You know, I just don't believe it at all. Um, yeah, the the six would be fine. I'm not worried about them at all, bro. I don't even know why we're talking about them. We're talking about them because Jimmy's got a loud mouth. Yeah, but like there, there's there's things about their future to be worried about. What's not to be worried about really is how they're playing right now. I mean, Duff, you watch the Sixers probably more than me and Frank, even though I've seen a fair share of Sixers games this year. Like, are you worried about their encore performance? Like, do you think this is gonna turmoil is gonna lead to something negative, or are you just more more nervous about what this is gonna mean for the future of Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, for the future of uh, free agent Jimmy Butler looking for a contract? Where's your worry lie with the Sixers right now, if there is any at all? I'm not the thing. The number one thing I'm most worried about for the Philadelphia 76ers is depth. Like, and that's the only thing I think we can really be worried about at this point because. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jimmy Butler is playing well. Ben Simmons is playing well. Joel Embiid is like the number three guy in for All Star voting at this point. Like that's where I would probably put him he's, comfortably at number three. He's really good. Um, what? He's he's really really good. Yeah. So his numbers are are. I, I don't see. Year. I think this is more coming towards like what what Frank what? is saying. Where look, we you know uh, Adrian Wojnarowski tweets out that. He has aggressively challenged Brett Brown about whatever. Like we we don't know what that means. Like last year, Joe J.R. Smith like threw soup at a assistant coach. But like sure. I heard from like a very reliable source that he just like threw his spoon in the in the bowl and then it just splashed because he was sitting next to him. Like he didn't take a whole bowl of soup and dump it on the guy's head. I don't. Believe so this me. this is not jimmy butler stuffing brett brown into his locker and just like berating him this is probably like hey coach i think if we run some more pick and rolls or get me some more isolation shots maybe stagger minutes this way instead of that way it could be helpful for the team like we we don't know the tone of what he said we We just start going off which is not he wasn't like we don't i doubt he was there like there's no way he's just like lurking in the locker rooms or the film sessions like everybody needs to kind of calm down they're they're about to win their fourth game in a row like can, Everyone can, just take a step back and realize that this team is the they were nine and six before Jimmy Butler got there and they're about to be twenty seven and fourteen. What is the real elf in the room, Frank? Brett Brown's coaching. Oh coaching job. Okay. Get get him out. I like the spice here, Frank. So you're telling me get him out. That you think Brett Brown is actually uh the root of this problem here. You think that there's something to be said about what Jimmy's got to say. Nah, I just think get him out. It's like it's actually what I mentioned before. I was looking for the comparable thing to to um Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr. The Sixers are ready for their six, uh Steve Kerr. They need someone who could take it to the next level. They've they've player developed the F out of it. They did a great job. Brett Brown did a great job of it. He should get a job at ESPN or 
another team that needs some building. Uh, maybe them boys down in Orlando. So you're telling me, and I actually put out a tweet about this, and it was kind of poorly worded, as Duff gladly pointed out to me, that it didn't make a lot of sense. But the I wasn't. Hey, come on, I wasn't glad about. It. I was trying yeah, to be helpful. Absolutely roasted him, fam. He roasted me. It's okay. <laughs> my 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 English wasn't great. I tried to do one of those analogies where I was like. Mark Jackson is to Brett Brown as who, as Steve Kerr is to blank. And it just didn't kind of come off right. But, but the point was there, and it's the point you're making, Frank. Like, so often in professional sports, there's a coach there who kind of brings a team from the dumps up to respectability, but it's not always him who puts them over the top. Like, what do they say about John Gruden when he won that Super Bowl? It wasn't his players, right? And maybe the Sixers do need their guy to come in, freshen freshen it up, bring a new voice into the locker room, bring some innovation to the offensive system. I mean, the Sixers' problem isn't defense right now, except if you're talking about all their two guards. I mean, J.J. Redick, Shamit, and Korkmaz can't stop a soul, but overall their defense is really strong. So maybe I'm kind of with that. Like I have never really been sold on Brett Brown as a head coach other than the fact that even when this team was trash and they were winning games in the teens, they played hard every night, they played strong defense every night, and he really did bring them from the dumps. Like, as much as Sam Hickey gets a praise, uh, like, Brett Brown was there all along, pushing this team out of, like out from nowhere. Brett Brown did the dirty work. We talked about this last year during the playoffs, too. Is One thing I've been a little concerned about with Brett Brown has always been his, uh, like, ATLs, like his after timeout plays, they just have been Garbanzo. not like ineffective, I guess. Like he, they never seem to lead to an easy basket. It's like when you're watching certain teams and then come out of a timeout and all of a sudden it's just a lob to the rim. It's like you need to get a quick two points, try to catch a team sleeping and get cheap baskets where you can. Like it's like in soccer where you really need to execute on set pieces. Like you need inbound plays so you can just steal points. That's why early in games, Teams run a lot of stuff. Like if you watch the Pacers, they'll run high pick and roll with Miles Turner. And then uh, like when, when Oladipo was first coming back, this is like three plays in a row. They had Nick Collison pick and, high pick and roll with Miles Turner. And then Collison took it to the rim, laid it up. And then ran it again. He pick and popped, made a long two or a three. Ran it again, pick and popped. They pass to Turner. They rotate over. And then they throw a wing pass over to Oladipo for a wide open three. Like, Early in games, teams run this stuff, and then uh, like their opponents make adjustments. Like you need to be have some cheeky plays like that. You need to really take advantage of any inefficiencies that the that the other team might be showing at any given moment. And inbounds plays are really where you have the upper hand because you can set exactly where you're going to stand and exactly what you're going to do next, and really dictate the defense's actions. And that leads me to a more overarching point here with Ben Simmons because there is things he can do really well on the basketball floor, and there's some things that he really struggles with, and that's really shooting. That's, is that is that really it, right? That's the only thing he really struggles with on the on the floor. He can do everything on the defensive end when he's locked in. He can do everything else on the offensive end when he's locked in except for shooting. So do you think Brett Brown is kind of being neutered by one of his best players and future all-star every single year? Not being able to do a really important thing for this team, or does he need to get? Or does or does Ben Simmons have a, a right saying, "I'm watching Giannis in Milwaukee just do whatever he wants, get to the rim because there's four shooters around him. Why can't I do that? Because Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler, as much as they can shoot, they're not true floor spacers, and the other guys on the floor can't stop anyone. So, whose side do you kind of lean to? Is it Ben Simmons, uh, or is it Brett Brown saying like I'm kind of being dealt a bad hand here? Ben, 
it's kind of both the way I look at it. Frank, why don't you go first? I think it's Ben. Like, uh, I talk about this at work, actually, with one of my older coworkers who I always talk basketball with. But we were talking about Ben Simmons today, and we were just trying to compare him to somebody. And the best comparison we came up to is Magic Johnson. Early in his career, Magic Johnson couldn't shoot. But you know what he could do? He can fill in for the five when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar got hurt, you know? And those are the things that Ben Simmons can still do. And he can still make plays, and he can still handle the ball, but he can't really shoot. And honestly, that's fine. The only thing he has to do is just shoot a couple of shots, even if they don't go in, which he's actually been doing lately. So, um, yeah, I'm on Ben Simmons' side. Uh, a lot of people are, like, kind of giving up on him, I, I feel. Like, not giving up on him, but, like, oh, he's not what we thought he was. He's really good, but he's not He's not that. But I still I still think he's that. I mean, he's super efficient, and he can only score within the paint, really. That's not easy to do. The thing with this question, like, who you know, who's kind of quote-unquote fault, I, I forget how you phrase it exactly, but Ben Simmons... From Brett Brown's standpoint, like his two best players are, you know, Jimmy Butler aside, like the two corner piece, corner pieces for this franchise are kind of similar, and they don't feel like they complement each other a whole lot because they're both big guys, like six ten. I think Ben Simmons is six ten, somewhere in that range, and then seven foot three. So like, you can have Simmons step out to the perimeter, but then like he doesn't really space the floor, and then if you flip them, like. Joel Embiid has already voiced that he doesn't want to be away from the basket taking shots. He said, I think he actually said he hated taking threes. Um, so it, it's, Which I got something to say. I, I feel like Joel Embiid likes every shot he gets, but I digress. I, but Brett, to my point is like Brett Brown is in a bit of a box from that standpoint. Um, and I think for the flip side of that coin, like Ben Simmons, he hasn't really gotten better this year. I won't say that. Like he, he's gotten better, like, on the margins, like the same way Giannis keeps getting better. Like he keeps understanding, all right, I'm faster. I'm stronger. I can create different angles because of my length and size and leaping ability that I need to really take advantage of. And mentally Simmons is way ahead of where Giannis was when he first came into the league. But in terms of like skills, I don't really see how they're dissimilar at all. Like they seem they seem very similar to me. It's probably a better way to say it. Um, but he hasn't, like, added something to his game. Like, we're starting to see the hint of a turnaround jumper now. Um, and it's – some people are saying, like, why do you want him to take that shot? It's the most inefficient shot. It's the shot that everyone has been saying you should steer clear from. It's gravity, right? It's the same thing we talk about with Steph Curry, only it's, like, from 30 feet out. It's – if you can pull your defender 15 feet away from the basket, like – People are standing on the block while he's at the free throw line because they know he's not going to shoot it. So you need to pull him out and create more angles for passing. And you're going to be faster and quicker than the guy guarding you, most likely, if you're Ben Simmons. So if you pull them close to you, that gives you more time to get around them and just finish at the rim, which is what you're best at. So I I don't see how it doesn't help his game to really add a 15-footer. Like, everyone's talking about corner threes, where's his three-point shot, like, He's not going to go from shooting zero threes to being a 33% three-point shooter in a season. That's just unrealistic expectations. I haven't seen him add some like post moves, like a up and under or a turnaround jumper or like a hook with his left hand and not just his right. 
they're like little things like that is is really what I get hung up on and why I feel like people haven't been talking about them as much this year. Boom. Ooh. Bam. Ooh. Bop. Bada bop boom. Pow. That's right, Duff. Tell him. <laughs> You've been telling him all along. He's a righty. My man's got to do something, right? Like, I'm with you. I've been saying this, like, hardcore this entire season. Like, Giannis is shooting, like, less than 20% from three, yet he takes one or two a game. And they're not going in, and people don't really defend him, but that half second where the defender just may think to himself, hold up, is he, is he about to shoot? Uh, okay, no, he's not. Or or uh, let him shoot. Like, that little freeze that the defender can have can can help the entire defense. I mean, if you think about it, hundred percent. In in other sports, it's like a team that passes, you know, forty times a game, and yet a play action pass still might work. It's because that half second, that that one doubt of a moment in the defender's mind that he may do something different can help you out and can give you that little advantage. And we know it's really important to take advantage of your advantages. In uh, it's something sports. else, you got a game plan for like the same reason Belichick always had Brady listeners questionable, like for. He holds like the all-time record for most weeks spent on the IR li- or like the injured list, but he would always play. You would just put him as questionable as an extra thing for people to think about when they were game planning. It's the same thing. Like you need to add something else to your repertoire of moves so that the other team is thinking about, okay, what if he does this? What if he does that? What if he does it? And then you catch them off guard because they're thinking about it instead of. And, and you can dictate the action. Like, as the offensive player, you have that advantage. So I want to open one up, one question up to both of you guys before we move on here because we got to keep moving. But, and I think it's a real thing. I think it's a real question here. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say two years just because the way the contracts are uh, for Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler right now. But in two years, who is more likely to not be a Philadelphia 76er, Ben Simmons or Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler. Oh, man, that's an easier question to answer after this summer. Because if they re-sign Jimmy Butler, and then he'll be 32, and if he's not playing well at that point, or if he's, or if people still have this perception where he's a difficult player, like he's going to be a hard contract to move, whereas Ben Simmons, someone's always going to want him, right? And, and he's cheap, he's going to um, be restricted. So what do So I think just based on that, based on how valuable he, how much more valuable he is and how much more, Teams would prefer to have him over Jimmy Butler. I would say Ben Simmons. And you can get but a not, back. Not, not that I think either of these two guys are really going anywhere. So what do the Sixers say? Let's all right. So let's do this hypothetical here. Say Jimmy Butler does not re-sign with the Sixers after this season. Here, what would make the trade worth it? So where do the Sixers have to get in this postseason if Jimmy Butler doesn't sign for the Sixers front office to be like that was still worth it, or is it worth it no matter what? Like where? Where does that train stop and, and, and keep going? Finals. I think I think if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals, it was worth it. Like, Bullshit. they have to be better than they were last year. They got year. to the Eastern Conference Finals. Did they? No, no, they didn't. They, they lost, lost in the second the round. Yeah, well. No, I think, I'm saying if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, No, they got to make it to the real finals because they added Jimmy to be on the same level, if not better, than the Celtics who are – Everybody, regardless of record, everybody. Yeah, but like Dario Saric and Robert Covington, like those guys are great pieces, and Philly fans really love them, especially Dario. 
but they're not irreplaceable. They're not a superstar. Still a set. They're not on the same season level season as Jimmy Butler. Are, of a season are, they, are they also showing right now that they they aren't that easily replaceable? Because the what did you say was the Sixers' biggest problem before? I'm taking these words out of your mouth. You said it was depth. depth. You said it was depth. So like, okay, bitch. yeah, how, but they got time. They got time. They? It's January eighth, ninth tomorrow. Y'all want. Y'all want Timmy Harley Jr. and Enos Cantor? (laughs) (laughs) Hard no from everybody in the league right there. Um, (laughs) One thing, the big winner here, though, out of the Philadelphia 76ers, then I swear we're moving on. The big winner here is Markel Fultz. He has gone out of the news cycle, and I'm happy for him because he does not need to be in a damn news cycle right now. Wow, great point. We spent so much time in the Sixers. I didn't think about him that so woke, Yo, bro. we're talking about the Sixers left and right over oh here, and you're not God, hearing Markel Fultz's bro. name being mentioned at all, and that is Wow, Jimmy's just a team. Wow, Jimmy, is he just the greatest teammate in the NBA? Is, oh, that all is Jimmy Jesus Christ? My, col- my column, Duff. <laughs> my column. Next week, my column. <laughs> all right, this is good stuff. We're going to keep moving here. We're going to talk about this all-star voting stuff. Uh, I also said this on Twitter, which is that be kind of too wise, by the way. Um, my One of my favorite pastimes in sports internet world is every year when the All-Star voting comes out. And in the past, you know, Russell Westbrook wasn't voted in as a starter, and people are freaking out. Or Dame Lillard gets snubbed, and he's freaking out, and no one else is really freaking out. This year, though, was one of the more interesting All-Star voting initial results that we've seen in a long time. So I'm just going to give you guys a few highlights here. So the obvious ones are easy. LeBron, Steph, Giannis, and Kyrie lead their respective positions in the West and East, respectively. That's easy money, right? LeBron, no one arguing. Steph, no one arguing. Kyrie, maybe a slight, slight argument, but not even really. Come on. And Giannis, not an argument either. But then it gets really interesting in the number two spots in three of the four positions. So in the Western Conference, as in the front court, we have Luka Doncic. We have rookie Luka in second in all-star voting. Luca in the Western Conference as well. The second place voter in guards, Derek Rose, ACL and all. And in the Eastern Conference guards, we have the last dance, Dwayne Wade, in second place. Now, second place for the forwards in the East is Kawhi. Third place is Embiid. Fourth is Jimmy Butler. I think that all makes sense to everybody. Uh, but Luca in second, Derek Rose in second, Dwayne Wade in second. How crazy is it that a rookie? being second in all-star voting, is the least egregious second place out of all of them. I love it. I love Luca. I love all of the European fans. I'm going to assume it was European fans that put this man number two. Um, and I'm on the train. I'm all aboard the train. So if Luca winds up being a bus and like out of the NBA in two years, like you can laugh in my face. That ain't, ain't going to happen, though. Well, like I'm just saying, if it does... You laugh in my face. I'm like, I, I've been on the train for like probably the past month, and definitely a big supporter. This guy is a beast, and he's better than some of the names that we mentioned uh, when we were going through guys who might keep him out of the All Star game. And I'll let you guys get your points in before I make my point about about that shit. So, so Duff, what do you think? So, for front court, if I told you these six guys made it. You have Nick, you have Jokic, Paul George, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and Luka Doncic. Who would you put ahead of Luka Doncic? Out of all those guys? Yeah, like you're not going to move any of those guys out. So who do you put ahead of Luka? I think Luka's six in that category. That you just all the people that you just named. I right, think- you're right. He's six. No, but I'm saying like who replaces him? Not like 
those guys are in. Those five guys are in besides Luca. Those guys are in. Luca is the sixth. Who Nobody. outside of that group I named? Who do you put ahead of him? Nobody. I know who you're gonna say because you said it in the group chat. So say it. No, I'm not gonna say that. I think oh, I'm. A, I'm totally school, fine right? with Luca being in. All right, but yes. I'm well, like all say people it, are making too much. For... People are making too much. Save like who cares if he got the second most if he's in he's in well i'm gonna like, i'm gonna why, say why does it matter i'll get to my it doesn't, further point you, it doesn't matter how like, many votes you get unless you're gonna be a captain like yes that's lebron but, but let's be honest the all-star game is really uh a spectacle it's not really a game it doesn't decide but anything. i think it matters who's on the team it, i think that matters. matters like when goran okay. Rodgers was on the team last year instead of benson just complete bullshit there was absolutely no reason but not really. why he would have made that team instead but that's part that's part of my point and like my point almost doesn't even become, do I think Luka deserves it? It's, I think the NBA works in such a way where they will reward a veteran. Like, basically, like, Carlton Towns isn't a veteran, but he's on his third year. He was an all-star last year, if I'm not mistaken. Was he an all-star last year? Yes. So he was an all-star last year, and you know how much easier it is to make it once you get there, once before. And I look at Carlton Towns and then the, the second-tier centers, if you will, in Steven Adams and Clint Capella. Like, those guys are better, legit like valuable pieces who play important roles on really good teams who are all-star centers, but because it's front court and not forwards and centers, like they can get left out of the bucket. And I think if you talk about players and you talk about media, like they are going to give those guys the benefit of the doubt. And I I can see Cat, Steven Adams, or Clint Capella all kind of getting the nod over Luka, whether they deserve it or not. And in my eyes, like they kind of do deserve it. Like they do invaluable stuff, and I know Luca does too with the playmaking and how he's the go-to guy on a uh, overachieving Mavericks team right now. But if if a guy like Stephen Adams is never going to get rewarded to be an All Star, like is that wrong too? Because that feels wrong to me. Like yeah, that- but he don't care. He's the big Kiwi. But to the greater point. I wouldn't be mad if either of those other guys get in because I actually I think both of those guys are better than Carl Anthony Towns. He just doesn't influence winning. He's a loser. Sorry, you know, uh, you know, maybe you don't think I'm the best person to to make that call or that judgment, but that's my opinion on the fact. Um, Luka Doncic, in so many ways, affects winning, and it's so visible every time you watch him play. Um, he's clearly the best player on that team. And I'm pretty sure at this point they're 500. They might be a game under, uh, beneath right now. They're four. Games I think they're 18 and 20. They're four. They're 18 and 22. They're four games. 22. So, but like a week ago they were they were 500. If not, I think they were. They might have been like 18 and 19 or 18 and 17, something like that. Like, and have a 19 year old kid do that. Like it's pretty impressive. And he's he's got the numbers. Like they are good enough to be an all star. It's just like we kind of said. It's a stacked field. And this is the point I didn't make earlier that I'm going to make now. It's like the way the game's played nowadays, like scoring 20 points a game to me isn't that impressive. Like, you know, every team averages more than 100 points a game, I'm pretty sure. I don't think there's a single team that averages less. So there's way more scoring in the league, and obviously if there's more scoring on a team scale, there's going to be more scoring on an individual scale. So a guy like Carl Anthony Towns who's putting up, you know, 24, maybe 25 points a game for a team that's – how many games underneath are they? They're like four games behind, eight spot. Four. So so they're the same place, I guess. But but they have – I don't know. I guess maybe I'm overlooking it. But I just think that what he does is less impactful to the Timberwolves' success than what Luka does. And to me, like, 
that's kind of what embodies an all-star. And the other point to the voting is just like, this guy is obviously taken, you know, some fan base by storm. Somebody really supports this guy. And I think it's kind of grand across the scale. I don't know don't, a single not, person. It's not just Euros. It's, 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 it's American. I don't it's know. the league by storm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, like, everyone's I haven't talking met about a single Luka. Person. Everyone's excited to see Luca or, but like, night by, there was, there was a stretch in the beginning of, December, end of November, where he was basically must-watch TV. Yeah, and I think, you know, like that, like such a wide-scale appeal to such people, like put him in the All-Star game because he's got the numbers. It's not like, like I would say it's actually kind of comparable to when Porzingis landed in New York and he started doing some crazy things. His numbers were nowhere near where they needed to be. And they were nowhere near Lucas. Nowhere, nowhere, but he did some things that he had fans all over the world. He was... One of the biggest things in the NBA from half a season of putback dunks and and three pointers from a lanky Latvian dude and like the lanky Latvian I like it you know if you if you back that up with numbers and you you know you got the fans it's a fan driven thing you know send the man to the damn game I hear you I hear you a lot but there's also a thing that I'm not even saying I agree with but I need to bring it up because someone needs to there's something along the lines of like the veteran will get the nod. There's uh, a line you have to wait on almost to become an all-star. Like LeBron James was not yeah, but an all-star. Carl Anthony Towns is 23. LeBron James was not an all-star in his rookie season. All right? So, like, when you're talking about rookie But Kobe was. When you t- no, he wasn't. Nah, Kobe was in his I thought he was. Well. Kobe, Kobe, got Kobe didn't even start. Yeah, he wasn't even a starter his, his, rookie, his rookie year. Who but, am I thinking of? Uh, like, what about, <laughs> what about two guys like this? And they're on the same team, which totally hurts their cases here. And I think the same thing's happening in Philly when you got three guys who are, should be all-stars. Like, one of those guys is going to lose out on votes just because one guy isn't going to give three Eastern Conference votes to the Sixers. But Tobias Harris and Danilo Gallinari are two super important players who are averaging over 20 points, who do everything for the Clippers, who are also on an overachieving team that's in the playoffs right now. And you don't think of Danilo Gallinari or Tobias Harris as an all-star, but guys like this get in every year. Like, Paul Millsap was an all-star like three years in a row. You ever see Paul Millsap and be like, all-star? Like, you don't, but one or two of those guys get in every year from each conference. And I I think about a guy who's not a forward, but he's in, like, that same boat where he almost, like, we're almost taking him for granted. We're forgetting that he's one of the best players in the league. But like DeMar DeRozan is doing great things for the Spurs. He's taking on a playmaking role. He's getting more assists. And he could so easily get left out of the All-Star game this year because of how stacked the conference is. And I, I think there's going to be a Tobias Harris or a Danilo Gallinari, who I would pick over Tobias, who is going to get in over Luka. And it's just like waiting in line. And it may not be fair, but that's how it works in it's sports. Not fair. Other than the NFL, like rookies don't, don't make me the all star game. You say that. I'm looking at you right in the eye right now. This is so other different. than the NFL, which the Pro Bowl is a joke, rookies make it every year. But in other sports, like rookies don't just make it. In the MLB, you got like 26 year old rookies who might make it. It's a different story. Like 19 year olds don't make the all star game. Whether they deserve it or not, well, it just should, doesn't though. happen that often. Well, he should, though. He might show you. Maybe he should. Yeah, but no one's no one's gonna be standing for Stephen Adams. Like, hey, this guy belongs to be in the All Star. I I probably would. Come on. Aquaman, yeah, but besides Aquaman's you and anyone who lives out like inside of Oklahoma City. Like, yeah, but the actual people, <laughs> the actual people who take up fifty percent of the vote who aren't the fans, who are the players and are the media who might actually take this kind of serious are not going to vote in a 19-year-old when they see LaMarcus Aldridge still doing LaMarcus Aldridge things, and he's been an all-star for years, and the Spurs are on a freaking hot streak, and they're, oh, I got to fill out this vote? Let me take a quick look at the standings. Oh, wait, the Spurs won 8 out of 10? Like, how's LaMarcus doing? Oh, he's still averaging 20 and 8, 20 and 9, and they're doing their thing? Like, 
throw your numbers. Th- these guys in are gonna the trash. These guys are gonna get the nod. Yeah, but if it's if, if voting is fifty percent and then players and coaches is another fifty percent, you would need like everyone, uh, ev- like every one of those players and coaches to vote for Lamarcus Aldridge over Luca to make it even. Not happening. That's a good point, and I, I mean that 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 almost locks up the fact that like Derrick Rose won't get in. Like Derrick Rose isn't going to be an All Star, even though he's second in voting, because the players, as much as they love him and they respect his comeback and his grind and and who he used to be, and the media the same way, like those guys aren't going to vote for Derrick Rose when they know it's supposed to be people like uh, Kemba Walker or Ben Simmons or Oladipo or Kyle Lowry who's leading the league. Yeah, but it's st- isn't it still split like? 12 yeah. Western Conference players and 12 Eastern Conference I went to the East backs and I forgot he was on the Timberwolves. But James fat. Harden, Russell Westbrook, Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, like those people then come up. That's fine attention. though, but like Steph Curry, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard. We, we honestly. DeMar DeRozan, we, we, that's five. Russell so Westbrook then who's, and Clay Thompson. Like Clay Thompson's having a down year. Yeah, like Russell Westbrook and Clay Devin Booker in because he's young and on a bad team. Chris Paul's been hurt. Lonzo Ball hasn't been good enough. So. What like Derek? Who's after Derek Rose? Like who is that guy that's right behind him? Like oh, I don't know. Why why can't we consider Luka Doncic a guard? Why can't we consider Ben Simmons a forward? I'm in for both of those. But like Zach, why? Zach when, when is why does it positions the matter? Can, yeah, why, like, why if if someone is like a combo guard. Why can't it just be twelve? Why seven can't foot, it be twelve best? Like Kevin Durant. Like he'd be both. Watered it down enough to where no centers get in. Let's just fucking make it. The 12 most entertaining guys, the guys Yo, that we like to watch. But listen to this. Zach Lowe literally wrote a letter to the NBA last year when he was voting for All-NBA. And to anybody who's like a regular fan who's like, oh, people just vote, they don't care. Zach Lowe is living proof that these guys take it serious. He wrote a letter to the NBA asking to put Ben Simmons as a front court player in the All-NBA voting because he had other guys and guards who deserved it more than the other forwards who deserved it. And and the NBA said no. Like they said no. They're like you could only vote in the parameters we gave you. Bullshit. And, and that's what it is. Like that's how Adam, it is. Yeah, like, I remember him telling the story. He's like, yeah, in the drop down. Man. I'm calling Adam. I'm getting him a Stern talking to. Yo, a David Stern talking to. A big David <laughs> Stern talking to. Oh, I like that. That's a good. No, pun. but seriously, that like, I don't know. We're we're at a we're at a point where I feel like everybody's pretty forward thinking, and uh, you know. They yeah, the they problem the NBA the problem is running into now is the fans are more educated than they it were. Really and half. so it's just like, why do we have to play by these rules? It doesn't make sense when we have seven-footers like running point on certain teams. Yeah, it they doesn't... don't play by the rules. Why do we have to? I agree. That's a good point, Duff. Yo, just... Sorry. Oh, are you just mad because Oklahoma City didn't just hit that shot? goddamn basket. <laughs> 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 we're recording this podcast on uh, a Wednesday night as the Oklahoma City Thunder just lost by two. Two of the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, as we're talking about them a lot, their first game without Tibbs. Uh, it's a cool story, actually. Flip Saunders' son. Isn't that their second win well, in Oklahoma? Flip, uh, maybe. But Flip Saunders' son is actually the coach of the interim coach of the Timberwolves. Pretty cool for him yeah, after his dad cool. uh, had a really tragic death, really, right as he was taking over the Timberwolves and all things were looking up. The draft Connelly Towns, and, and obviously we know what happened. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And Frank is upset because he, he loves his thunder and they could not hit the big shot. Yeah, so I guess I'll throw Good this out Good karma the for the Wolves. Quick, quick little thing. I'm a Knicks fan. You know, obviously I'm from New York. But, like, the Knicks have been tough to watch. And every video game I play, I used to put Russell Westbrook and Paul George on the same team, whether I was the Knicks doing a fantasy draft or picking one of their teams mm. and trading for the other guy. 
And now when I play 2K, I don't even got a fantasy draft, bro. I just picked the Thunder. So I'm happy for you, man. Yeah, it feels good, man. I, I feel really happy it for you. It feels good. Like, man. I couldn't express how happy I am for you. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel how much you care. Well, the fact of the matter, and, and I'm just going to move on without even responding to that one, but I, well, the fact of the matter is the All-Stars are going to round out, and we're going to look at the team, and there's going to be two or three guys, probably in each conference, who are going to say, this guy should have been in, this guy should have been out, and it might be Luca. Or it might be a handful of other guys who have been waiting their whole career and working their whole career to get that one nod, and a 19-year-old's going to take it. And maybe he deserves it, maybe he doesn't. But that's going to happen. And Twitter will blow up. Like The funny thing about Twitter is no matter what you want to find on the side of complaining, you could find it. You can find people who think it's ridiculous Luca's going to get in. You're going to find people who are ridiculous that he's not going to get in. And uh, you know, fans of their own teams are always going to pull for their guy. But what you can always count on is that Dame Lillard, whether he makes it or not, will be snubbed in some way. Whether he's not a starter. Yeah. So, so he just wants one that. person in this whole fucking world to believe in him so badly. I feel, God, he made like some sick play against the Warriors, and then he was like turning up the sideline, and he just, something in his eyes. Like he was flexing, but he still looked a little sad. He's like, man, these people still don't get it. Like, <laughs> I feel bad for that guy, man. So why don't you believe in him, Duff? I do believe yeah, I don't know. I'm too busy believing in Luca. I don't have enough. I'll take that. I think the problem is that everybody believes in, in Dame Lillard, but like no he one just doesn't feel it. Yeah, no one like puts it out there enough. You know? Like he's he every, everybody likes Dame Lillard. Like anyone out there like slandering Dame Lillard's name, like, I don't think so, right? Let's throw it out in the airways right now. Dame, we appreciate you, bro. Don't worry about it so much. That's right. That's right. And also, uh quick quick aside here. Somebody who is also appreciated, who we're being reminded of again how important he is and how much he means for a team. His name is Kevin LeBron Knox. James. Kevin Knox. LeBron James. Kevin Knox. Nah, LeBron James has been out for the Lakers for a little bit now, and they're kind of plummeting. Oh. And uh, those youngins are missing missing my man LeBron, of course. But we know he'll be in the All Star game, and we know a couple other people will be in, and those snubs will be snubs, and we'll see some new faces this year for sure. It's gonna be exciting. But more <laughs> importantly, on the uh, Oh, what do you got? Before you go, I saw a tweet uh, about LeBron just being on the sideline, sipping his wine, trying to increase some some of the youngins' trade value, and it's just crumbling in front of his eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a funny thing to see. Like, why? Why is talk he about walk- your all time backfires? Why is he walking to the game with a glass of wine in his hand? Like, just sit down and have someone bring it to you, man. Come on. You know you, why he's walking? You flexing in- way too hard. You know LeBron. why he's walking into the stadium with a glass of wine? Because he is. Like, he is, yo. He does whatever he wants. He said he went on his show, and I, I'm working at the fan, people calling in, complaining about how LeBron doesn't get in trouble for saying, like, the NFL owners are, like, slave owners and this and that, and he doesn't really catch slack for it. But I'm like, yo, when you are LeBron James, you do what you want. When you own your own entertainment company, you do double of whatever you want. Yeah, he just when, pays people off. You do what you want, and you put that shit on wax. Yeah, you put it on wax. <laughs> That's exactly right. And then also... When you own your own agency, oh wait, 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 nah, sorry, we're not, <laughs> supposed, we're not supposed to talk about. Oh that. no, 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 we don't talk about that. You recruit no, Anthony Davis that. publicly, get in trouble for it. What? Wait, what? <laughs> no, but seriously, I said his name. I'm gonna say it again. Another guy we need to show some love. New York Sports Blog Podcast, Kevin Knox, bro. Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox, man, he been doing it. He's doing it real. Uh, easily the best performing rookie the Knicks have had in a very long time. I mean, he's been putting up points. Duff, what'd you say uh, before we started recording about Kevin Knox, and then we'll move on to our last topic? 
it was something like he, in his past uh, like 12 games or so, he had been averaging something around like 17 and a half points with like six rebounds and you shoot 40% from three. Yeah. But he was on like, he was, he was on some like, uh, like some James Harden shooting statistics. I was like 40% from the floor and then like 40% from three, either he's shooting like terribly from two or just not at all. Yeah. He's been, it's really like, it's weird how it's progressed, but he's really like, Every game you see more aggression and more confidence and like literally everything he does. And I feel like the the one part of his game that's just sort of lacking is just like ball control and like sort of playmaking. Because like you said, he's got these nights where he shoots really well from three and he's obviously competent going towards the bucket. So it's what he's most comfortable doing. So uh, he has the makings of a very complete player and it's like refreshing to see because the Knicks, you know, they hit on Porzingis, but Frank Nilakina has been pretty slow progressing, and a lot of people are kind of hating on him for it. I'm personally not. I'm I'm willing to wait because this team's not going anywhere this year anyway. So, um, yeah, what's the point of, of rushing him to become a bust when you got more years could, for him to if become? If he could become an elite perimeter defender, what like that's a solid pick. Yeah, the the biggest or nine thing or whatever. What was he? Uh, nine. Ten? Nine? Okay. The biggest thing I see people talk about him is just like, yeah, he's an NBA athlete, sure. Maybe he's even, like, NBA skill level, but he has no awareness. And, like, you know, he has no game sense. He's not He's not a true baller is, like, what a lot, I hear a lot of people say. And, like, that's something you develop, you know? That's something that comes over time, game awareness, you know, being a straight basketball-oriented person as opposed to just being, you know, a superb athlete playing basketball. Like, give the kid a chance. Uh, I also, you know, he might not be a point guard. He, he might, might not be. He, but also no, playmaking. he's not a point guard. He's going to keep growing. But he's going to be a solid 6'10 by the end of April, and then he's going But that's fine. That's he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily have to be is my point that I was going to get to. Like, you know, take, take the positives for the Knicks where you can get. The Knicks have been really good with uh, – Reclamation projects, guys that are you know former. I say lot of, really good, but I get you. I mean, Noah Vonley is a player. Yeah, no, he's a nice little role player. No, Noah Vonley's player. Noah Vonley is fun. I really enjoy watching no, that guy. Exactly. Noah Vonley is an energy off. guy who I think a lot of playoff teams would take because he's he kind of fits today's big man role. He's mobile and he's good on the offensive glass without being such a detriment defensively. Um, the other person, Trey uh, Trey Burke, reclamation. I think a lot of teams would pick up Trey Burke to be a backup point guard. And you know what's really funny is that it's always easy to kind of put people on the Warriors. And the Knicks right now, we're sitting here on Wednesday night watching the Knicks play the Warriors. Since we started this conversation, there's just uh, four minutes have gone by in the first quarter. We've seen Kevin Knox get like, what, four, four or five points already. Noah Vonley made his way to the free throw line. And uh, also, Noah Vonley. Put him on the Warriors, and he literally is a starting center on a championship team. Pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. He, he, you can he say is. that about like ninety percent of the centers in the league, though. Who's let's be honest. Five right here, I'm forgetting. His Kevon name Looney. Right. Kevon, he's Kevon Looney adjacent, hundred percent. Oh, for, he might be better. And he's better than Kevon Looney as an offensive player. He's for different. Sure. The, he's definitely different. The other, the other, the other two pieces I wanted to mention. Look at Emmanuel Mudiay is playing some of the best basketball of his career. That's kind of a reclamation project. And and Mario Hazonia. Uh, he's been bad, dude. I don't know. He's, what he's been bad, about. but he's been better than he was as a, in Orlando. Oh, man. now you come around to my side, P. Okay. 
he's not been good this year, bro. He's been bad. What do you want me to tell you? All he's right. Always, I don't bad. know. In the beginning, you were standing for him a little bit. I thought he had some juice left, man. I mean, maybe he does. He, we forget that that dude's like 23 years old. You know, like we think he's like 27 Look, and a bust. We knew what but. the Knicks were doing. They're just collecting, you know, it's the Manhattan is basically the island of misfit toys right now, based on from a basketball standpoint. Like, that's fine. <laughs> considering you know porzingis is out and stuff like that <laughs> that just felt right to play at that moment like I, and also <laughs> as a segue because we got to get off the knicks and finish our last topic here um as much as i could talk about the knicks for like an hour right now uh, the the island of misfit toys also kind of leads us to our next next step here but last closing thoughts on the knicks they're tanking right this time right i mean of course it's the year where the lottery odds become more evenly distributed across the, the top five teams in the draft so maybe it'll help them. Maybe it won't. We shall see. But the Knicks are doing it right. They're putting Kevin Knox out there for 30 minutes a game. He's getting his shots up. Moutier's getting his shots up. Hopefully when Frank returns, he's going to get his 20 minutes a game and, and do some things, gain some confidence, whatever. But I think across the board, people are thinking the Knicks are doing it right. I mean, they still joke that they are they can't win a game, but they don't want to win. So it's yeah, all right. They don't even try to it's win. It's all right. They just try to play hard. That's good. And David Fisdale, shout out him, man. The guy can run a podium. I mean, for real, the guy can do a press conference pretty good, huh? Don't rook me. Don't rook him. All right. Our last topic of the day, we got to talk about some players in the league who deserve the Curb Your Enthusiasm music. I mean, the people in this league who we know their name for the good reasons and mostly the bad reasons, but the people who just don't quite know their worth. The people who out on that court just seem to do something wrong or do something stupid. And every once in a while, they make a sweet play, or they're putting up numbers, and they absolutely blow it. You might be thinking of J.R. Smith. You might be thinking of Lance Stevenson. These guys might make the cut. <laughs> they might make the cut. But this segment is dedicated to the mellows of the world. The people in the NBA who have such a lack of self-awareness that they will literally have no way of coming out of that rut. So, Frank, this was po- possibly your idea here. So why don't you start us off and tell us one of your players who lacks so much self-awareness that he's just helpless at this point. It's it's tough. Uh, there's so many of them. And honestly, to me, they are the, the second tier of entertainment in the NBA. I think they are the most fun people to watch besides the guys who do things that are just like otherworldly. And um, uh, my first pick is going to be probably Dion Waiters of the Miami oh. Heat. Hold up. Can I, can I argue that? You can argue it. I think he's self-aware. I think he knows exactly how much a clown he is. I think he knows exactly how overconfident he is. He had his teammates in college call him Kobe Wade. <laughs> Actually, like, he says that himself. That's not like other people, you know what I mean? Like, he proudly says, my teammates call me Kobe Wade. Like, no, no, they didn't, bro. <laughs> what is, what is you, at no point... Were ever as good as or a mixture of Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade, you unaware basketball player. Hand it off to number two, though. Who, who's stepping up? Duff, you got one for us? Yeah, I got one. Uh, all season and maybe for the past four or five years, uh, it's been Draymond Green. Ooh, I can't stand that guy at this I point. Like, him. I'm so Steaming hot, so sick of him. I really am because he is just an absolute zero on the offensive end. And once his body starts to decline and he's loses, like he takes a pounding when he plays defense on these big guys. Like he 
he's got a lot of heart, but physically it takes its toll. So as soon as his body is on the decline, his game will plummet because he offers you nothing on offense. And once he gets a half step too slow or, you know, a half inch too low on his vertical leap, he's done. Like as limited as he is physically at this point, if he gets any worse, it's over. And all this guy does is yap, 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 yap all day long. And I used to think it was fun, uh, but I'm pretty much over it at this point because your team is struggling. And you know what? It would have been awesome if you had developed like any sort of different offensive skill over the past four years. Like that probably would help your team a lot if you were maybe the best thing 5% better than you used to be. The best thing Draymond's done this season is spike the ball off Clay's head. It's (laughs) not because it was like a good basketball move, but I watched it like a hundred times and couldn't stop laughing. It was the top top five gift of the season. (laughs) Some people might be hearing you say this right now, Duff, and being like, yo, wait, what you call him a zero on offense. My man leads the team in assists though. Like what? Yeah, what about you know, that? You know who else? Yeah, because that team he has no choice but to yeah. pass the ball when he gets an offense. Like I got you, I got you. you. Know who else would lead that team in assists right now? Luke Walton. Boom, Ooh. Ooh. bam, oh, bop, bada bop, boom, pow. Oh! That's right. That's right. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> Luke, Luke Walton, man. Yeah, role player. He. Do you know who who does not lack self awareness? Luke Walton. Luke Walton. That's Luke true. Walton would be dishing like nobody's business. He'd be averaging fifteen assists. And you know what Luke Walton? Guard, that's crazy. But you know, <laughs> you know what Luke Walton could do? Shoot, shoot an open jump shot. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. True or false? Luke Walton at age thirty-five, which is I think that's like his actual age, which is kind of scary. Luke <laughs> Walton at age thirty-five, just as impactful as Draymond Green. True or false? Offensively, hundred percent. Offensively, offensively, 100%. offensively, he's like way better. Actually, actually. offensively, he's superior. <laughs> In terms of overall game, like worse, definitely worse. This is a blasphemous conversation. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? He's probably as good a leader. He, you know, weren't they like undefeated with him? Uh, with the Warriors? Close. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he had like one loss on his he head coaching record there. before he came over. So, all right, how about this? Since this, <laughs> since this whole thing is based off of Carmelo Anthony and his lack of self awareness, would Luke Walton be a more positive player than Carmelo Anthony right now? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because no, yes he would. Yeah, because he you know would. why? Yeah, he, would. he wouldn't play at all, and he'd be okay with it. He wouldn't say anything. Melo would be like, "Why am I not starting? I don't understand." Or even if Melo was completely silent, like. He's such a lightning rod at this point that people would just manufacture <laughs> stories around. Yeah, him. like the Jimmy Butler deal, kind of. Like when the exactly. Rocket, when the Rockets lose like next week, it's still Melo's fault. Yeah, it's I mean, like, isn't it crazy? Wow, Once like Melo left, nothing else to... happened to that team, but like now they win. Austin Rivers, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's the difference. <laughs> he's been doing pretty good. He actually. has been doing good, but you, you like God, they started turning it up before. Now. Like I'm sick of people being like, "Look, he's not that bad." Like he's an NBA player. You know, what it's like what. Like is that is that really your standing like for him because he's deserves to be on an NBA roster? Okay, got it. Austin Rivers plays hard on defense, can take him off the dribble, and can sometimes hit an open jump shot. Bro, come on! I would take him. <laughs> silence, silence from the audience. <laughs> Just there. get the fuck out of here. He's I'm actually. I think if he was when you say Austin Rivers, my brain. Shuts off. I'm just like, oh, don't care. If Austin Rivers wasn't on the Rockets, he'd actually be a very strong candidate for the lack of self-awareness All-Stars. But because he's on a good team right now and doing okay for the past two weeks, actually uh, kind of pretty good. So, oh, you know who else I got? You know who else I got for this? Kelly Oubre. What? I saw... Mm, too young. Too I, young. I, I, listen no, to this. Okay. Can't be too so, young story time. I went to 
a Nets game over the Christmas break. Love it was it. it was before Christmas, maybe like the weekend Rodney before. Atkinson there. Um, I, I went to Nets Suns, <laughs> and Kelly Oubre was out there. Like he he got torched by someone. Like it was like Joe Harris. Like he had tossed torched by Joe Harris, and Joe then Jesus. on the other end, he like misses a shot, and then he comes back and he like stops Joe Harris from going left, and then he like passes it out, and then he starts talking shit to him. It's like what are you doing? Like you just got torched and bricked the shot. And then you go back and because you stopped Joe Harris on the penetration, you're all of a sudden like just going to start yapping in this dude's face. I do not appreciate the Joe Harris slander, but I, I get where you're coming from. I do. That's they fair. call him Joe. He's Harris. not, but but like, he's not a, he, he's not a bad player. He's a good player, but he's unaware. not known for slashing. Very unaware. Uh, you you must best be watching more Nets games, bro. Yeah, Man's jo- Joseph of Nazareth okay. is actually a, a low-key S-star. Kuroks is the slasher. Everyone knows this. Yeah, Roddy Kuroks, man. That guy's nice. That guy's nice. Let me stay in New York, though, for a second and give you guys a very great lack of self-awareness all-star right now. It's Enos Cantor. Oof. It's Enos mm. Cantor, dude. Oof. I mean, this guy. Yeah, he we goes had some in, tough conversations let me just week. Let me just walk. Let's, let's just walk through this. I'm not even going to bring up the turkey stuff. That is a, a honorable Assassin. thing Stick that he's trying to do. We're, we're not even going to go there. Stick to sports. Right? Shut let's up talk, and dribble, Pete. Let's talk about some shut things. Up and shut, yeah, shut up and podcast, Pete. <laughs> uh, should I kick myself out of Discord? <laughs> um, Enos Cantor, over the past year, has picked fights with LeBron James Kevin Durant. Who's LeBron James? He put up an L on <laughs> Devin Booker's uh, Twitter post after the Knicks lost to the Suns. And then Devin Booker responded. That was wild. Devin Booker responded by saying, pick and roll at double zero every time. And it's true. This dude has no awareness on defense. So that's his first lack of awareness. And then self-awareness, he thinks he's like a starting center who's going to be on a good team one day. He goes into the Knicks front office when everybody and their mother knows the Knicks don't want to win a game and says, I'm tired of losing. He's like, I don't want to trade. I'm not I'm not uh, asking for a trade here or anything, but uh, I'm tired of losing. I want more minutes. Like, what What are you doing, Enos? I mean, I granted, you need to get paid next year, and you're seeing people like, Marcus Morris get all these chances on a good team to get paid next year, and you ain't doing nothing. But maybe it's because you're not that good at basketball, Enos. Maybe it's because you get double-doubles because you're big and you try hard, but you do nothing else good. How about that? If Enos Cantor played, he's got like Jill Okafor syndrome, where if he played like 30 years ago, he would be a really valuable player who's putting up 16 and 16 every night. Would he be, though, but- if he still can't protect the rim? Yeah, he'd be getting. Yeah, but you know what? He would, he would, on offense instead of being like what? What is he this year? He's like fourteen and ten, yeah, like he's on a offense. Double, double machine, and he he's really good thirty at years ago. He'd be hoop. like twenty and fourteen, and he's really good at scoring near the hoop. He is. He he can put the ball. He's, in the it's like Al Jefferson. Like Al Jefferson had a long career just being the guy who would put the ball in the hoop, but not that he would play great defense, but because that's how people played. Like, like uh, granted, now I agree with you. Like his his game is obsolete at this point, which is a tough look for my guy because I really like Enos Cantor. Like when you, yeah, I like him too. But when you talk about like Carlton Towns' defense being a struggle, like it's sometimes because he seems like he's not trying. The bad part about Enos Cantor is it never looks like he gives up on defense. <laughs> he just doesn't do the he right just thing. Doesn't get it. He he's like one. Of, he's just like that kid who just no matter how many years it takes, he just 
Math just Can't never clicks. At no point, at you know? no level, will math just he, ever he, click for that guy. He's like same thing kid, when it comes to NBA defense. Yeah, he's like the kid who can hit. You know, you throw him a ninety-nine mile an hour fastball, and he'll he'll hit it four hundred feet. You throw him a, a poop ass yes. curveball down the dick, and he <laughs> and he looks like he's swinging a garden hose out there. That's that's a great. That's I I wouldn't have landed on that without your guys just walking me to it. But that's that's exactly what it's like, man. Who's the, who's the guy from Major League? Jobu. No, no, no. Jobu is jo- his guy. No, no, Jobu's like the guy crazy too. Fuck you, Jobu. Pedro uh Pedro Serrano. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Enos Kanter is Pedro Serrano. You know he's doing some weird like <laughs> his weird stuff in his locker. The rest of like yo, Damian Dotson's in the locker room like yo. What I mean, Look, I know we said we would stick to sports, but I just you know, rumors are afoot that Enos Cantor belongs to a cult. That is true. That's been So that's it's been really really leaning heavy on that Pedro Serrano. Yeah, but the tough thing about that is like we won't get into it. We just won't. So we'll we'll shut up and dribble here. I'm not even shut gonna up and dribble. Yeah. yeah, but what are the odds though that even though like he's a super nice looking seeming guy, he seems playful, fun loving, like energetic, whatever. What are the odds though that people in the Knicks locker room are like, yo, Enos, we love you, but you're crazy, bro. Like, what are you talking about? Like half the time. Yeah, nah. I feel like everyone's got a friend like that though, you know? You gotta yeah. have a crazy friend. Is that, like, is like, Frank not that guy? I don't understand. I am definitely not that guy. I mean, shit, I'm not extradited from <laughs> any countries. So, um, <laughs> oh, uh, let's get, let's get back to this. So, I want to put some more people on this team. Can I can I put one more? That was legitness. <laughs> um, uh, I'm putting someone else on this team. Uh, Marcus Smart. Unaware as hell at no. how bad he actually is at the game. No, 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 no. I gotta go the other way. I'm hard against. He does. That. He does some hard nose stuff. For hard nose. He's like, he's but, but, but like he's a reasons, bad the he's same a bad shooter. You love but at the end Green, of the game when he chucks a three, him. like I really think it has a chance of going. I really do. Uh, like in clutch okay. time, I really think he's got a shot to make it. Believing in a guy who shoots about the same percentage as Russell Westbrook from three. It doesn't matter. Like does I, matter. I don't know what it, it is matter. about that guy. You, Over the past it's the same few years, thing, like I've seen you said him do it before. so many times. You used to love Draymond Green because he was the garbage man on a good team, and everything he did good got super highlighted, and all the negatives about his game don't matter because the teammates around him are so good. Guess what? Marcus Smart has value to one team in the league and one team only, and that's the Boston Celtics because he's a bum. Let me just, let me just, let me just tell you this, by the way, Marcus Smart. 35% from three this year. Really? Drop it. Congratulations. If my mic wasn't valuable to me, I'd drop it right now. 35%. Frank, get the fuck off my podcast. Frank, get out of, get out of my house right now. Remember I, when you guys were telling me how Aaron Gordon's three-point shooting was legitness? Dude, it's that's <laughs> legitness. I'll do it. You don't have to do it. That's legitness. Look at him now. That's another... Uh, I hear Duffy typing. You better watch out. Yeah, I'm trying to look at it now. You know, so you, know you haven't checked Aaron Gordon's shooting stats I, this year. I, but I 36%. Yeah. What are his numbers like, though? Is he even shooting one and a half 15 a points, seven and a half rebounds, three assists. No. How, how many threes a game, Duff? 4.3. Uh, Frank, Frank I'll just eat gave that one, I guess. Frank just gave that uh, frowny that face like, mm, oh, oh, all right. Oh. Still a bum, though. All right. Still a bum. All right. But you know what? The thing, he came out hot for like the first month. Forty percent. He ended up at like thirty-three and a half. Yeah, that same thing's Big gonna yikes. happen to him again, and that same thing's gonna happen to Marcus Smart. I was definitely wrong about him though, because like there, there are times when I watch Magic games, and I'm like, oh yeah, they've. It's like what the? F-? He's like the highest paid player on that team. Yeah, and I you just know, you know what name. Aaron Gordon is the the worst possible case scenario for Kevin Knox. That's what 
Aaron Gordon is. Oh, yeah. That's that's a fair point. Aaron Gordon's a little more bounce in his step, but other than that, I hear you. Kevin Knox has so much more touch, though, than Aaron Gordon already. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree. Like, skill-wise, Knox is ahead, but Uh, Aaron Gordon... Also, the positionlessness benefits Knox, and it hurts Gordon. Can I make a really spicy take um, for the lack of self-awareness All-Stars? Spice it. You ready for this, Duff? Hmm. Or should I I just zip my mouth first? You just save it for next time, or you want to just... You did not what get my reference. The man who uses the emoji with the Oh, mouth. my God. Lack of self-awareness. All right. You're I was, chopping up. Oh, my God. If I had a drum roll in my, my little soundboard here, which I probably do somewhere I can't find it, drum roll, please. That's legit. How do you how do you drum roll in more? How do you do that? Donovan Mitchell. Does my man, Donovan Mitchell, who I absolutely loved a year ago, who I absolutely loved in the draft, is my man lacking some self-awareness right now? Sheesh. Hondo pay. We think so. Yeah, I, I agree. It's going. He's got to figure some stuff out. Really? I'm tired yeah, of the zip I, mouth I, emoji. I'm so done with it. Am I not? He's got his own shoe. Like, what the hell is no, that? It's hot. Like it's hot because you're the only 40%. one saying it. It's hot because you're the only one saying it, but you know what? Like, speak it into existence. What LeVar, when LeVar Ball said that Lonzo's going to be a Laker, everyone was like, what does that idiot know? And then when it happened, he was like, kind of makes sense. Did you, you know? just compare me to LeVar Ball? Thank yeah. You. Thank you. By the way, you know who does not lack self-awareness on the basketball court? Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball. Yeah. Does very, not lack very self-awareness. Very self-aware, actually. He's very aware that if he goes to the free throw line, he's going to miss. He knows exactly <laughs> yeah. that. Which is why he has like one attempt to game. That's Gang. good. That's pretty good. Insane. That's insane to me. Oh, man. That's good stuff, oh, though. Oh, I want to throw one more guy on here. Throw it out, because we got to say goodbye. Brandon Ingram. Oh. He just tries uh, to fight people. And, and no, I don't know. I don't he know He just tries that. to fight people, and he's a human string bean. I'm not talking about basketball. I don't know, basketball. but he's about it. Like, I'm not saying he wouldn't get his ass kicked, but he's a, he is definitely down to fight. He's oh, not like yeah, a boy. Yeah, yeah, But that's, that's lack like of self-awareness, he's right? Not, like, he will, Russell Westbrook will never actually fight If anyone. I was down to fight— Brandon Ingram will throw hands tonight. Bro, if I was down to fight everybody, people would be like, Frank, you got to stop. You're going to lose a lot of these fights. I feel like you're talking from experience right now. I'm not. I've never been in a fight, actually. All right. But Brandon Ingram— Kind of similar, not, you know, he's not small like me, but man, he's a string bean. He's skinnier than me. But man, he get beat up. He get beat up real quick. Be self-aware. The wonderful thing about pickles are pickles are wonderful things. (laughs) And in the lack of self-awareness, I thought that was going to be funny. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Self-awareness. All right, people. We got to say goodbye here. On how much I, uh. You know, time consciousness for the end of this podcast. We're still here. I'm totally unaware of what you have to do. People, this is the Sports Blog New York podcast. Duff, you got any last words? Uh, nope. Not this one. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> That's what you- Duff, do, do us all a favor. Since Frank and I don't need the Discord to record right now because we're in person, get out of the Discord, all right? Get the fuck out of here. It's good to be back. I'm happy it's over. I'm going to go walk my dog. <laughs> Sports Blog New York Podcast, Pete Kennedy, Frank Velotti, Tyler Gustavi. Thank you all for listening.